This morning, we're going to continue in our series, Watch Your Life and Your Doctrine. The text this morning is going to be found in Titus chapter 1, and the sermon name this morning is Watch Out. One of the things that um, we've all had happen to us in our lives is, at times, we've been mischaracterized, where people have said things that we said, but we never said it. Or uh, people would say something that we did, but we never did it. Or they would suppose our motives with their tainted viewpoint, but it's not what we were thinking at all, and it wasn't our motivation. When we um, consider that, uh, one of the things that we have to understand is when people, false teachers, mishandle the word of God, they are saying that God said something that he didn't say. They are claiming um, that God is something that he didn't claim to be. They are speaking of God's character in ways that he has not revealed about himself. And the question for today is, are you giving ear to that? This leads to one thing. It leads to a misrepresentation of the true and living God. And this is an extremely serious matter. I don't want you to be confused what I'm speaking about this morning. I am not speaking about theological differences. What I'm speaking about is false teaching. What I'm speaking about is heresy. That's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. And again, we're in Titus chapter 1. So if you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read through the whole chapter, and I'll be reading out of the CSB this morning. And it reads this way. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. In the hope of eternal life, that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Thank you, Lord. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, my true son and our common faith, grace and peace from the God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. 
An elder must be blameless. The husband of one wife with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's house, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both courage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. For there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of people who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power in your word, Lord. As we are speaking about this sobering topic this morning, Lord, Touch our minds and our hearts. Have us consider this matter that is so important, Lord. If our toes get stepped on, Lord, help us, Lord, to think through, to petition you for direction and truth so that we are being fed the pure, unadulterated word of God. We lay that before you, and we thank you, Lord, for the power that comes from your word, from the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within your people, Lord, to do a mighty work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Paul, in this letter, first um, states who he is and what he is called to do. It says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hopes of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, 
He has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. So Paul is stating uh, who he is, uh, what he has been called to do as an apostle, and what he has been called to do um, in this situation in being God's mouthpiece and the importance of it speaks about eternal life. He speaks about a promise that was before time began. Just to think that that would be placed to a man to go out and to do those things in a group of people that have eternal ramifications. And then Paul greets Titus, to whom the letter is to be written, who the letter is being written to, and he gives Titus instruction on what he is called to do. And what he's called to do here is to appoint elders over the churches in each time, in each town. An elder is, is a pastor. And it reads to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. And as I directed you to appoint elders in every town, these are men that are appointed by those who were called to minister to those people before the people that had met the Lord through the preaching of those ministers before. These were appointed men. This was not a democratic election. You, you're not voting for a politician um, when someone is called to pastor. As Paul was called by God, which was stated in the beginning, the one appointed must also be called. It's not a democratic situation because remember what we read last week in 2 Timothy 4 and 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Not only uh, did Paul state who he was, what he called Titus to do, he gave Titus a criteria that is to be met as he was picking these elders over the churches in, this, in these towns. He said an elder must be blameless. Right? So he has to be above reproach. He's the husband of one wife. That is stating that it is to be a man with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. In other words, his house needs to be in order. How, how can he function as uh, being an under-shepherd for God in his own house is not in order? an overseer of God's household, he is to be blameless, not arrogant. Pride is a big problem, and God uh, hates pride, so you cannot be arrogant, cannot be 
hot-tempered, right? A, a lot of things are going to come your way, and you have to be able to take those things in stride. Not an excessive drinker, you can't be a drunk. Not a bully, right? Whether it be physically or positionally, you are not to use that as a, a way to um, have people uh, cater to your whims. Not greedy for money, but hospitable, welcoming, loving what is good, sensible, right? Having common sense, righteous, and our position before God and, and our actions, holy, which is set apart for what God has called them to do and self-controlled. And catch this part, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Then Paul lays out why this must be done. He lays out why this is important. So the text continues. This is to be done. These are the kind of men that you are supposed to set uh, in these positions for there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. We're talking about souls here. One of their very own prophets says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply. See, there's, there's uh, this, this uh, Christian kind of culture where we're supposed to treat every situation so docile and nice. But that's not what this is saying, not when it comes to this matter. It says, rebuke them sharply. And there's a reason why. So that they may be sound in faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of people who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. People can talk really nice. Their fruit will show who they are. These are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Reading a chapter like that, you have, would have to ask yourself, why are so many Christians appear to not even concern themselves with false prophets, with false teachers? It's, it's almost as if 
The heresy is the one who calls out the false prophets and the false teachers as if, hey, it is not nice to speak about so-called other people in the faith that way. But that is not what this chapter is saying at all. We um, have to put people in certain categories. If, if it is heresy, it needs to be spoken of that way. Maybe confrontation people feels uncomfortable. Calling someone a heretic is a really big deal. Because remember what I said, we're not talking about theological differences here. We're talking about false teaching. And many of some of the biggest churches have false teaching in it. The question becomes, are you going to follow the crowd or are you going to follow the Bible? Unwilling and unequipped many people are to challenge on the faith that they were raised in. Maybe they think um, it is too difficult to think that deeply. But, but Jesus was very clear that broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to life. So Christians must arm themselves against false prophets, against false teachers, and recognizing them, this is the part you need to catch, requires knowledge. See, because they speak very subtle differences, but those differences matter. But the only way you're going to recognize them is when you are knowledgeable about the Word of God. This requires studying the Word of God. That's why we read long scriptures. That's why we read a text and start breaking down what the text says. Because if you don't have knowledge of what the Word of God says, you will fall prey to false teachers. This was spoken of from Jesus, spoken of from Paul, from Peter, John. They constantly warned that people will rise up among them and look to lead them astray. They warned them that not only will there be many false teachers, but many people will follow them. Those people that are following them are not the world. Those people that are following them are in the church. That's, uh, that should be very sobering. sobering. Sadly, Few people do their homework. And because they don't do their homework, wolves take advantage of that. They are blinded by their condition. And again, we should not easily call anyone a heretic. 
But if they publicly teach doctrine that has been long time recognized by the church as false, it has to be called out. It has to be called out. Different people fall into that category. Some just do not fit the criteria that was set forth earlier in the chapter for an elder. One of the things that we have to be very careful of is the glitz and the glamour and listen to smooth words and people online. And what we do is celebrate their talent. We know nothing about their character. Character matters. Another reason these people lead others astray is because they were just ill-equipped. They, they did not have that call on their lives. And then you also have those that are just straight-up wolves. You know what wolves do? They kill sheep. That's why we see here Paul telling Titus, go and appoint elders because elders are the under-shepherds for the people and they are called to protect the sheep. Who are you entrusting with your spiritual health. Many of us come to church on Sunday, we hear the word preached, but we're in a new day. And in one sense, it's great. In another sense, it's horrible. So the, the season that we're in is we can hear preaching from all over the world. At one time, even when it was just on radio or on TV, only the biggest pastors could be heard. But today, every size church has access to the internet and put their sermons up. And often we supplement what happens on Sunday morning during the week. That's not bad. That's good. That's important. But who you listen to is extremely important because you are entrusting your spiritual health to those that you're listening to. And as said last week, there is poison out there. Poison kills. There's inferior food. Inferior food uh, may take a while to harm you, but um, it is not healthy and you will get sick. And then there is polluted environments. And that comes from the outside in. And some of the biggest names in ministry that have the largest followers are in these categories. And today, I'm going to have to call out some of the names. I cannot cover them all because it's far too many. 
But before I start saying one name, because I know some of you listen to some of these people, I'm going to tell you right now, when I call out their name, if you believe, no, this person is fine, call the office, tell me the person, give me your email, I will send you information on that individual because I would never just call out names of people that claim to be God's people without having all kind of reasons to warn the church, stay away from that person. Don't read their books. Don't listen to their sermons. So anybody have a problem with the names that I call out, I welcome you. The office is open from Tuesday to Friday from 9 to 5. We will get back to you. Don't just come into the office looking for an impromptu meeting. Call, <laughs> and we will get the information to you. But you have different categories of that. You have the prosperity gospel people. You have Benny Hinn and Creffel Dollar and Kenneth Copeland, that these people um, are, have a name and claimant ministry for a long time. Then you have newer, newer people, Marcus Rogers, Mike Todd, Steve Furtick, Joyce Myers, these people's theology is way off. They are false teachers. I'm going to speak about two in particular for the sake of time so you understand how subtle these things are, but what ends up happening when you feed on it. We're going to talk about somebody that has a big church, T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes has been around for a very long time. But he subscribes to modalism, oneness Pentecostal, meaning Jesus-only movement. The Potter's House, this is a statement uh, in their a statement of faith on their website that you could go to right now and read it, and it says this, this, there is one God, mm -hmm, creator of all things, mm -hmm, infinitely perfect, right? and eternally existing in three manifestations, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's very subtle. But you need to understand what that means. Manifestation is a very troubling word that he's using here because Modalism means that he believes that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are three different molds or aspects of God. So when he's speaking about the Trinity, what he's saying is sometimes God reveals himself as the Father. Sometimes God reveals himself as the Son. Sometimes God reveals himself as the Holy Spirit. We just had a four-week class on the Trinity. I don't know what you guys do on Friday night, but we have a solid group of people that are here on Friday night. It actually should be packed because when I'm preaching, you can't ask me any questions. But in Bible study, we have gifted teachers that go through these things, and we speak back and forth, and we just finished a four-week series 
on the Trinity. You cannot know God without knowing the Trinity. And T.D. Jakes has this very, very wrong. This is a heresy that is at least as old as the fifth century. Again, when he, what he's saying when he acts as the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that they don't exist at the same time. The doctrine of the Trinity means that there is one God who eternally exists in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Stated differently, God is one in essence and three in persons. These definitions express three crucial truths. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinct persons. That's where he's going wrong. Each person is fully God, co-equal and co-eternal. And the other thing is, there is one God. This truth of the Trinity is our foundation of us knowing God and what we know God to be. When someone breaks from that, they are not to be in, you can't be in fellowship with that. You cannot have a person that does not understand that and you think that they're okay to listen to. That is extremely problematic. What one believes about the Trinity is the test of orthodoxy and fellowship. The other person that I'm going to mention this day because we can't go through them all again is Joel Osteen. He's got the biggest or one of the biggest churches in America. You know what Joel Osteen says? He doesn't preach on hell. He, he doesn't preach on hell because life is hard enough. So I need to build you up. I need to speak good things to you so you could be motivated to do better. Let me tell you something. Jesse always says it, don't love me to hell. To leave that out is for a person to live in a fantasy world and not consider eternity and the ramifications of sin. To leave that out is Jesus didn't even need to come. What you're being saved from is the wrath of God, and we all deserve eternal damnation. But because his son came, his grace and mercy made the cross available to us to be saved. If I'm not going to preach on hell, what am I talking about? What's church about? You need to know the truth. Our flesh is so geared toward hearing things that are nice, that are pleasing, that we want to hear, that makes us feel good. Really, when you understand those things, then the good news is really the good news. Jesus spoke a lot about hell. 
What I want to leave you with is research who you listen to and know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. So if you think, well, I like this part of what that person is saying, partial truth is a lie. You have to know your word so that you are not deceived. Understand that small deviations have large ramifications. And this bad doctrine, it comes from listening to bad teachers. I'm not here to demonize anyone. What I want you to do is grow in discernment. I want you to ask the right questions about who you listen to and who you read because these people have books upon books upon books and many people read this stuff. It's your soul that's at stake. So you may ask, why did I call these people out by name? I called them out by name because if I would have just said false preachers or false teachers, you would have said, not my guy. The sad part is I just can't go down a list and have every single name there. But what I am telling you is just by giving you those little bit of examples is do your homework and if you don't even know how to get that information, we are here, ask the question. There's too much at stake. And I know that there are people here that listen regularly to some of those names that I just mentioned. You're the ones that I'm asking. Reach out. This is... So important because false teachers, they add, subtract from God's word. They teach freedom from holiness or they bind you to a law that's not intended for you to be bound to. They take away the deity of Christ at times or they take away the humanity of Christ and both of those things are a problem. Ken Hughes described his ministry to those promoting error like this. I've spent endless hours with such people who cannot or will not grasp the plain meaning of a sentence or a paragraph in its context, but rather fix on words or sound bites and give it a definition that defies lexicon, history, and logic, nothing dissuades them. Nothing informs them. They understand nothing, and they enjoy it. I've engaged in this subject today because, and called out specific names, because I'm going to be held accountable one day. Did you tell them? Did you tell them? So if I don't tell you plainly, the sin falls on me. 
But when I tell you and you don't heed the warning, you're going to have to take that up with God. Ezekiel 33, right, tells us about the watchman. If he doesn't blow the trumpet, the blood of the people are in his hands. But once that trumpet is blown, they're going to be held accountable for that. You can come up, worship team. First Peter Chapter 5 and verse 2 said, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Second Timothy verse 2 starting in verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. By default, that means there's an incorrect way of handling the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Because So as we read how whole households have been destroys, destroyed, they also pass out that information to others. Goes on to say, Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Herminius and Philetus who have departed from the truth. So I didn't set the precedent of calling people out. He's calling people by name. Be careful. Stay away from these people. They say that there's no that they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroyed the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Matthew Chapter 6, Jesus says the eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let me tell you, it wasn't easy for me to just call out people's names. But I could tell you this. I love you too much not to call it out and say it as it is. One of the issues that we have is hearing all of these voices that spew lies and they speak real loud. And then when it's time for us 
believers to call it as it is. We cower down. Life and death we're talking about. This is eternity we're talking about. Whoever you're listening to, whatever books you are reading, do the research. We want the unadulterated word of God. Like I said from the beginning, false teachers are saying things that God said, that God said, that God said that he did not say. They're speaking of his character and ways that he has not shown himself to be. There is nothing more important than this. If you get a math equation wrong, okay, maybe you're going to lose some money. We're talking about eternity here. We already know that the Word of God says that there are going to become some coming to him, I did this, that, and the other in your name, and he's going to say, I never knew you. The people that have been sitting in church their whole life. We need to pray for discernment, for truth, and for dealing with God on God's terms, who he says he is, and be willing to grow and to stretch. Because as we do that, when we, as layers and layers come off, and we get closer to seeing who God actually is. It's way bigger than any false prophet or teacher can sell you for temporary stuff. Because God, the king of the universe, is our maker. He's the lover of our soul. He is our redeemer. And we want to know him for who he is. Would you stand with me so I can pray for you, church? Lord, we thank you. We thank you even for sobering messages, Lord. We want to know you for who you are. Let us not be lazy just take in what anybody says about you. Our God, our Father. We wouldn't allow anyone else that we love to be mischaracterized. Help us to know you, Lord. Increase our discernment. Our love for you, Lord. That we would know you, that we would grow in our relationship and our intimacy with you. We repent, Lord, for where we've allowed people because we like how they sound or what they said or we wanted it to be true. Speak to our souls. things that are far away from who you are. Help us, Lord. 
By your Holy Spirit, lead us, Lord. Let us not ignore that prompting. Those times when, when we catch something small and say, That's, that don't sit right with me. Teach us how to read our word, how to study the scriptures, not do some five-minute devotional of niceties about who we want you to be. We need your help, God. We need your help. Every one of us, we need your help. Pray for that one. Heard this message today that I need to know the real God. Not what I've been told, not what I've manufactured in my mind, not who I wanted him to be, but who he really is. that heart this day, Lord. Surround them, Lord. Your mercy and your grace. Have them come to the place of repentance, trusting in the finished work on the cross. You died for their sins, that you were buried, you were raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, and you are coming back your spotless church that is going to be without a wrinkle. Thank you, God, because we are your church. We present ourselves to you this day. Say, would you do a work in each one of us, O oh God? In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.